Hallelujah. Oh, we give him all the glory. Hallelujah. For the awesomeness of that sacrifice that brought you and I into union with God. Every time I stop to meditate on some of the powerful scriptures of this relationship, it just boggles my mind. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, in that day you will make a discovery that as I am in the Father, so are you in me and I in you. Awesome. That's why that song should resonate with each and every one of us. Allegiance to the Son of God. Let us pray as we get into this study. King immortal, invisible, we come through the blood of Jesus. We come close in his righteousness to join the angels and archangels to worship the immortal God and to sing holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, may it please you, O oh God, to touch us this hour. Quicken your word to our hearts that we may live here walking in the footprints of Jesus empowered by your spirit to live the very life to which you have called us. Hear us, O God. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Blessed be God. Okay, our focus today is on, I am the light of the world. Ego, I me. Locks Monday, I am the light of the world. John chapter 8 from verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself. And the Father who sent me, he bears witness of me. Then they said to him, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. Verse 20, these words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no one laid hands on him. 
for his hour had not come. Amen. Amen. So we stay happy Easter to everyone who celebrated the resurrection of our dear Lord and Savior Jesus Christ yesterday. The Apostle Paul said to his protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 10, that our Lord Jesus Christ came to destroy death and to bring life and immortality to light through the gospel. Easter, it is not just about the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, but also about bringing eternity into time. That you and I may live on earth and operate as citizens of heaven. And when life is over here, we become one with Christ in eternity. That's awesome. An awesome privilege and an awesome blessing. There are quite a few in church who might still think of eternity only as somewhere to go when this life is over. Our Lord Jesus had a different idea when he said in John 17, 3, now this is eternal life. That they may know you the only true God and to know Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Easter established eternity in time so that those who have a revelation of Jesus Christ and the Father will bring eternity into time. There are amazing scriptures that confirm this. One of them is in Ephesians 3, verses 17 to 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When we grow in the knowledge of the love of Christ, in its unfathomable all-round dimensions, the Bible says we approximate ourselves to the measure of the fullness of God the Father himself. It is unimaginable that we could ever grow, even in the slightest measure, to love like God in this world. But that is the way to bring eternity into time. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus from the dead is the Father's way of establishing eternity in time. But now we must proceed to our subject. I am the light of the world. But first, let us deal with the venue and the occasion for this declaration. Theologians tell us that our Lord Jesus made this declaration in the court of women. That's where the treasury is. The outermost court of the temple is the court of Gentiles. And this is where the traders are lodged. 
with the animals and the bureau de change. Next to that is the court of women where the treasury is located. And those giving their offerings in the designated trumpets or porches, of which there are many, that's where they congregate. And it is here that our Lord Jesus found a crowd to teach the mysteries of the kingdom of our God. The occasion was the Feast of Tabernacles. On the first day of this feast, there is a ritual of lighting the lamps. Now here is Barclay on this. On the evening of his first day, there was a ceremony called the illumination of the temple. It took place in the court of the women. The court was surrounded by deep galleries erected to hold the spectators. In the center, four great candelabra were prepared. When the darkness came, the four great candelabra were lit, and it was said that they sent such a blaze of light throughout Jerusalem that every courtyard was lit up with their brilliance. Then all night long until cock crow the next morning, the greatest and the wisest and the holiest men in Israel danced before the Lord and sang psalms of joy and praise while the people watched. Now here is what our Lord Jesus is saying. You have seen the blaze of the temple illuminations piercing the darkness of the night. But I am the light of the world. And for the man who follows me, there will be light, not only for one exciting night, but for all the pathways of his life. The light in the temple is a brilliant light, but in the end, it flickers and dies. I am the light which lasts forever. Now, let's take a look more deeply into this declaration by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am the light of the world. This is one of the seven I am statements of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ego, I, me, lux, mundi. I am the light of the world. A claim that is exclusive to the Lord God Almighty. It is important to first look at what light represents in our world. The sun, we are told, is a massive ball of radioactive energy. The sun is the light of the world in every physical sense. It gives the light by which we see. It gives us the food by which all living things are fed, both plants and animals, in a complex food chain. Without the sun, life cannot exist on this earth. So when our Lord Jesus Christ declared, I am the light of the world, he was referring to the total spiritual, total permeation of spiritual and moral life to the depth and to the degree the light of the sun permeates the physical world. 
In other words, the light that our Lord Jesus was speaking about permeates the totality of moral and spiritual life. The same way the sun permeates every aspect of physical or natural life. Our Lord Jesus said, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In the physical, darkness is the absence of light. Our Lord Jesus was saying that morally and spiritually, darkness is the absence of my light. We had earlier been told in John chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, that in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. And his light shines in the darkness of evil and sin, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, just like the physical darkness, is banished by the light of the sun. So does the light of the life of Christ banish both moral and spiritual darkness. It is important to emphasize that this light is the life he lived by the quickening and empowering of the Holy Spirit of God. This is why he told us that we too are the light of the world. Isn't that awesome? As he is, so are we in this world. We are told in 1 John 4, 16, 17. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. When the spirit of Christ indwells us, we are able to show his light, not ours, to our world in every area of life. This is what we are commissioned to do. So we must not detach from this his declaration, but must seek to discover how to allow his light to shine through us in order to drive away all the darkness of sin and evil that are around us, whether in us or in the world around us. That our Lord Jesus is the light of the world is a wonderful, awesome truth. Its practical dimensions is that you and I have become the light of the world through him. That is where the challenge is. That also is the lesson from his declaration. The import of our Lord's declaration, declaration was not lost on the Jews at all. Because in Jewish thought and theology, both spiritual and moral light is always, they're both always associated with God. And only God can drive away darkness from our lives. And so when our Lord Jesus declared, I am the light of the world, they knew immediately where he was going. And that's why they were agitated. So by declaring that he's the light of the world, our Lord Jesus was establishing his claims that he indeed is the Messiah. So we must understand this light for our own benefit. It is the light of his life and character 
that confronts the evil in the world. That's what he said in John 7, 7. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. I testify both by doctrine and conduct that what is going on in the world is evil. That's why they hate me. Nobody wants to hear that. So this implies that wherever and whenever this light shines in the darkness of life, there is agitation and a clash. This is the way to judge the light we carry. Does it testify to the evil in the world in order to purge it? Or is it accommodating of evil? That's how we judge ourselves. Because Jesus said, I bring light into the world of darkness and they're all up in arms. Does that follow your own light and my own light in our world? Any light that is comfortable with the darkness of evil, it's revealing that it is no light at all, but darkness pretending to be light. Our Lord Jesus Christ expounded on this in Luke chapter 11, verse 33. No one, our Lord Jesus said, lights a lamp and puts it in a secret place or under a bowl, but on a lampstand so the people who come in can see. Verse 34, your eyes say light for the body. When your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But when your eyes are evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then verse 35. So be careful not to let the light in you become darkness. That's, that's an awesome warning. Say, be careful. Don't allow the light in you to become darkness. If your whole body is full of light and none of it is dark, then you will shine bright as when a lamp shines on you. So our Lord Jesus Christ is saying that some people may actually say they have light, but that the light they have is darkness. The light that's supposed to be shining is nothing but darkness. The Apostle Paul, he tried to expound more on this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. This is the new uh, century version. In the past, he said, you were full of darkness, but now you are full of light in the Lord. So, live like children who belong to the light. Light brings every kind of goodness, right living, and truth. Try to learn what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the things done in darkness, which are not worth anything. 
but show that they are wrong. It is shameful even to talk about what those people do in secret. Verse 13, but the light makes all things easy to see. And everything that is made easy to see can become light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleep, arise from death, and Christ will shine on you. In other words, Paul is, the Apostle Paul is saying, when you are the light of the world, you have a responsibility, like our Lord Jesus said, to ensure that the light you carry is the true light, not darkness. And when you are the light of the world, you shine that light, you know. And when you bring it and shine it, everybody can see that, yes, this is integrity, honesty, this is justice, this is love, this is compassion. Everybody can see it. Because the light is the life that is being lived. Then our Lord Jesus Christ also declared unequivocally, he that follows me, he shall not walk in darkness. So I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He who follows me, he shall not walk in darkness. This is for the Jews of his time. And for us today as well. So what does it mean to follow our Lord Jesus? He who follows me, that's the man that will not walk in darkness. The man who is following me, that's the man that will not walk in darkness. Since the light is his life, we are to follow in his steps if we want to walk in the light. Of primary significance is the centrality of doing God's will. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ came here to do. He said, follow in my steps. I came down from heaven. It's not about what I want to do. It's not about what my friends want to do. It's not about what anybody wants me to do. It's about what God wants me to do. His will is my command. That's the challenge of our calling. That is the implication of being the light in the world. Doing things God's way. There's no equivocation. So, the centrality of God's will, just like our Lord Jesus followed it, the scriptures were fulfilled in his life. In the same manner, the scriptures should be fulfilled, ought to be fulfilled in our lives as we follow him to do God's will for our lives in every time and season. Now, besides the will of God, there is the second thing that we must follow his teachings. Wherever our Lord Jesus Christ has made a pronouncement on any matter, we must follow his teachings. We must accept his authority to define spirituality and morality in this world because he's the son of God. This is the word that is a lamp unto our feet. And what does it do to our feet? It shows us not just where we are standing, but how we are standing with respect to God's word and with respect to God's will. The light also is a light unto our path to show us where we are headed 
You know, we never move from here until we know where we're headed. That is in the will of God for our lives. The light of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ reveals the depth and wisdom we bring to life's decisions when we are led by his light. When we follow our Lord Jesus, we are led by the Spirit of God to walk in the will and wisdom of God and to follow his ways. As we have already seen in this book of John, by walking in the light of the Father through the Spirit of God, our Lord Jesus, he completely eliminated unnecessary suffering. He let the Spirit lead the way, whether it be to his temptation or when to travel to Jerusalem, as we saw the last time when he told his brothers, you can go to Jerusalem anytime you like. I can do that. I have to wait for the Father to signal me that it's okay to go. King David said in Psalm 63, verse 8, My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. What does it mean to follow hard after God? It is to cling to him and to ensure that there is practically no space between us and the Lord. That's why we seek his counsel. We receive his guidance. We do as he says so that we will follow hard after God, walking in his steps. We step where he steps and do as he does in all things. This is the only way not to miss our way. The only way not to walk in darkness. Now, not only do we walk, do we not walk in darkness when we follow him, but we have his light on our path. That's awesome. And you know, you can stop to ponder this. When we have his light on our path, that means we have revelation, we have insight, we have wisdom, we have counsel as we make the decisions of life. No matter how uh, pivotal to our life. Now, I'd like to also bring Buckley in here. To be a follower of Christ is to give oneself, he says, body, soul, and spirit to the obedience of the master. And to enter upon that following is to walk in the light. When we walk alone, we are bound to stumble and grope. For so many of life's problems and the correct decisions to be made, they are beyond our solution. We are incapable of making them. I tell people, that's why we follow God. Because God is the only one who sees the future now. And so we seek his counsel. When we make decisions, whether they are big or small, no matter. We seek his counsel so that we will always stay on that path that he has chosen. That leads us to still waters. That leads us to, to, to uh, uh, 
um, green pastures, okay? So it's important to understand this because when you carefully study the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, oh yes, he had challenges, but no unnecessary suffering at all. You know, even when they announced to him that they have beheaded John the Baptist, the first thing he did was to depart to speak with the father, but the crowds will not let him. So he stopped and fed the 5,000 and then dismissed them, but still went to the father. And when he came down and the Jews who were uh, probably his friends said to him, depart from here, Herod wants to kill you. <laughs> he said to, to them, go tell us Fox that uh, today to I walk, tomorrow I walk, the third day I'm glorified. You know, so I'm sure the father must have whispered to him, the death of John the Baptist is of no consequence to your program. So go on ahead. So, so it's important to understand when we talk about walking in the light of Christ, that it is about being led by the Spirit of God. It's, it's about seeking counsel from God through the Holy Spirit. Because we are told in the Bible that the Lord God Almighty, he does all things. In Ephesians 1.11, he does all things after the counsel of his own will. When we walk alone, then we are bound to stumble and grope for so many of life's problems and the correct decisions are beyond us. Beyond us, When we walk alone, we are bound to take the wrong way because we have no secure map of life. Nobody has a secure map of life. We need the heavenly wisdom to walk on this earth. The man who has a sure guide and an accurate map is the man who is bound to come in safety when his journey ends. Not only will he arrive at his destination, but he will also arrive there in peace. The man who has a, a sure guide, Jesus Christ is that guide. He alone possesses the map to life. To follow him, is to walk in safety through life and afterward to enter into his glory. So, I am the light of the world. So our Lord Jesus Christ was declaring, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. I mean, the light of the world is another way of saying I am the Messiah. That was why it was agitated to his audience who understood the scriptures with respect to the Messiah. And here are some of them. King David said in Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So, Light is always an attribute of God. And so it is, as our Lord Jesus taught some of his disciples in 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus. And now we declare it to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all, at all. The prophet Isaiah 
wrote in Isaiah 60, 19, no longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night. For the Lord your God will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Now, the prophet Micah, he also wrote in Micah 7, 7, as for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me and my God will certainly hear me. Oh, do not gloat over me, my enemies. For though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Now, from these and more, we gather that his audience was well aware that anyone who claims to be the light is claiming to be the Messiah from heaven. That takes us to the witness. What was our Lord's witness? What was he relying on to establish the fact that he's the Messiah? His audience said to him, oh, you're testifying about yourself now, so your testimony cannot be true. Verse 13, the Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid, even though I make them about myself, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness. And my Father who sent me is the other witness. So, in answering their charge, our Lord Jesus took them back to the scriptures. The law states that by the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. And we see this law stated and restated in many places. We find this in Deuteronomy 19.15. You must not convict anyone of a crime on the testimony of only one witness. The facts of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Deuteronomy 17.6, but never put a person to death on the testimony of only one witness. There must always be two or three witnesses. The witnesses must throw the first stones and then all the people may join in. In this way, you will purge the evil from among you. Numbers 35, verse 30. All murderers must be put to death, but only if evidence is presented by more than one witness. No one may be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. Also, you must never accept a ransom payment 
for the life of someone judged guilty of murder and subject to execution, murderers must always be put to death. Now, using this argument, our Lord Jesus established that indeed he had his two witnesses. He is the first witness. And the father who sent him is his second witness. Oftentimes, we hear people say, God is my witness. It would be a monumental tragedy if someone, after saying that, goes ahead to tell lies, because that's blasphemy. If God is our witness on any matter, then it must be the truth, unshakable truth always. Our Lord Jesus stated, I came from the Father, and I am going back to the Father. But you guys have no clue what all that is all about. That is why you cannot judge me, nor my testimony. There is a fundamental ignorance that is being dealt with here, as similar to what was revealed when the Sadducees came to ridicule the whole idea of the resurrection. Our Lord Jesus said to them in Matthew 22, 28, now in the resurrection, to which of the seven will she be wife? For they all had her. That's the Sadducees. But Jesus replied to them, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor God's power. For in the resurrected state, neither do men marry nor are women given in marriage. But they're all like the angels in heaven. But as to the resurrection of the dead, have you never read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now, what was he saying to them? If you understood the scriptures, you see, if you understood the truth about heaven and earth, you wouldn't be saying what you are saying you would immediately recognize that I came from the Father and I'm going back to the Father. So the Almighty God is the greatest witness of his Son. At his baptism, the voice spoke from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 3. And then at his transfiguration, the voice spoke again, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. What our Lord Jesus Christ is saying, I have a witness. And the first witness is myself. And that's the point he was making to Philip in John chapter 14, verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show you the Father? Verse 10, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own. But my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Then verse 11. That's part of the testimony. 
just believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least, he says, believe because of the work you have seen me do. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ is saying. You have seen me do many marvelous works. That's what authenticates the fact that I came from the Father. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The works bear witness. I am the witness. The works bear witness. And then the Father bears witness. So it is important for you and I to enter into this revelation of the light of the world because for us it's a calling. In Christ, you are the light of the world. Nobody, nobody should dismiss this awesome truth because the challenge of it is in everyday living, whether we're at home, at work, at leisure, or in church. We must be the light of the world. We must shine Amen. so that men and women everywhere around us they will see the light of Jesus. Amen. Can someone say to us individually, show me the Lord Jesus and we would be satisfied. Would we have the boldness, the courage, the integrity to say to them, anyone who follows me is following Jesus. Anyone who follows me is walking in the light because I am walking in the light of Jesus. That's exactly what our Lord Jesus Christ said to um, Philip. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That is the challenge of our calling in Christ. That is where the, the, the rubber meets the road, like they say. It is not about who we are, and what we have to show, you know, materially in our lives. No, it is about the nature and character of Christ that we are able to reveal as light to our world. It is about how much of Christ is revealed in us and how much of Christ is revealed through us. Amen. If God is to be our second witness of the Christ life in us, then the Holy Spirit must be our guide in all things. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Doctor. Um, a lot of what you said revolves around if the light that is in you, if it is darkness, how great is the darkness? Doctor, how do we know that the light that is in us is light or darkness? Because that's the really scary thing from what you said. Well, you can see immediately that um, when a man is not following the, the principles of godliness in the word of God, when a man is defining his own rules of spiritual life, the light, you may be teaching people, but the light he's teaching, he's supposed to be giving them is darkness. Is darkness. You know, so what you're saying is that we are encountering this all the time. You hear people say all the time, oh, 
oh, um, what do you do when people bring corrupt money to church? So, well, what do you do? You just take it and uh, pray over it. You know, <laughs> you don't tell them that they don't bring corrupt money to God. Oh, no, if you tell them, then there'll be no money. So, so it's only corrupt money they can bring to church. You know, so, so, there are so there are so many ways when we keep silent about some things. You go to some places, you know, oh, adultery and fornication is evil. Like one man came to the pastor, my friend, and said to him, you've driven them all away. You know, every day, sin, 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 adultery, adultery. You've driven them all away. So what was the pastor to do? Keep quiet about their sins so that they can be comfortable in church. Then the light in him will be darkness. It's not changing anybody. You see, because the whole idea of light is to drive away darkness. You know, I told, I've, I've shared this before that I went to a convention and, and, and a woman came to meet me that the person extorting money in an office where she does business, is she's seen her right here in the convention and nobody's talking about it, you know? So this is the only way to make sure that we carry true light. You know, so what, when people meet our light, the darkness in their lives disappear. That's the whole idea. When they meet us, the darkness of sin and evil, you know, there are Christians who are in politics, but they're there when they're discussing about all this ballot snatching, all this um, uh, 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 thuggery, all this, and they're keeping quiet. Then they don't have any light. They don't have any light. That is what is a very practical thing. That when you have light, then everywhere there is darkness. Ah, you are driving it. And that's why Jesus said, they hate me. They hate me because I will not let them continue to live in darkness. I will not let them. If a man is always pointing out darkness, people who are walking in darkness will be very uncomfortable. Some of them will relocate to another congregation. And, and, and that is what is the challenge you and I actually carry. We need to be sure that the light that we carry is not darkness, condone, condoning evil. Anywhere that evil is very comfortable to sit in church, then that light is not, is not shining at the very best. In, in addition to that, somebody can say that that is sin consciousness. No, no. It's holiness consciousness, not sin. It's holiness. I've told you here before that it's about holiness. Because you see, you see, if at the end of the day, you know, you and I, uh, the, the type of influence we have on people, they don't get to heaven. Ah, what is the meaning of it? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's an exercise in futility. So if we are concentrated on shining light that changes people's lives, oh, they will soon become unpopular with quite a few of them. That's what Jesus said. He said, because I, I tell them that their deeds are evil. That's why they hate me. So, Doctor, we will now come back to living in the society. You know, the Bible says that the church of the living God is the pillar and foundation of truth in society, which means that 
the, the, the church should be at the forefront of pointing out when something is wrong. So what about these people that then say that the, the church should not speak on political matters? What do you it's say to about them? Political matter. The political matter is not about right and wrong. Right and wrong has no uh, uh, religion, no, no, society, no doctrine, no politics. No, right and wrong is right and wrong. So whether you're doing it in politics or you're doing it in domestic affairs or you're doing, doing it in the classroom, it doesn't matter. Right and wrong is right and wrong. So the church should always speak about right and wrong. It doesn't matter whether politicians are the ones doing it or uh, teachers or, or doctors or nurses, you know, right and right is right, wrong is wrong. They don't have any color or, 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 or shade. That's what I tell people. Justice, integrity, they don't have tribe, they don't have class, they don't have a location, you know. So it is not when we come here, we don't bother about justice. When we go there, we bother about it. No, those things don't have location. They don't have a, 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 a group identities. No, they're the same everywhere. So the church is not uh, engaging in politics, uh, elect John, elect Mary, but righteousness, justice, truth, Integrity, equity. Oh, yes. Always be very, very strong on that. And if the cap fits you, then wait. Thank you very much, Doctor. So essentially, it's not, it's, it, you're saying that where, it's, where there's wrong and right, the church must be at the forefront to speak it, irrespective of. To speak out the, yes, the theater. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether That's why we're there. That's why we're light. And the Bible says of our Lord Jesus Christ that his light shined in the darkness and the darkness could not uh, 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 extinguish it. Overcome it. Yes, couldn't overcome it. And that's, what, that's why he said, you, you two are the light of the world. He has commissioned us to go and shine light in the world. And it doesn't matter. You know, uh, uh, um, Daniel um, said to Nebuchadnezzar, he said, Stop, stop, show mercy, Oops. repent, Oops. you know, you know, so that God will have mercy on you. He didn't, he didn't placate him. He didn't uh, say, say, say meaningless nonsense. He said, no, no, repent so that God will have mercy on you. That's the way Christians are supposed to talk. And if he found a common, I would tell him the same thing. So the fact that he's Nebuchadnezzar and the king, it doesn't mean the gospel will have to change because of him. That's the example they left for us. People who shine the light in their generations. So, so doctor, so at the end of the day, each of us as Christians, but just in the example you gave about the woman who spoke about the person extorting her was in convention. A lot of people who are at the, at the heart of the problems that we have in terms of corruption in our nation, for instance, they're all in churches, front row. Yeah, but that's and what I'm church, saying now. The church is very so, accommodating. Uh, that is it. <laughs> and that is why this, the, the, the nation is the way it is. You know, because if we don't challenge evil in the members that we, we are speaking to every Sunday, uh -uh. so where is the hope going to come from? Where is the hope going to come from? So we have to rise up and say, 
Don't do wrong. Don't do evil and come and sit comfortably in church. Repent or God will judge you. You know, we were the, the, talking the other day about what the Bible said in uh, Corinthians. Say, brethren, if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged of the Lord. But when we are judged of the Lord, we are chastened. There is chastisement that will follow so that we will not be condemned with the world. And the way Hebrews put it is that he has to chasten us if we are his children so that we can partake of his holiness. The, the scriptures are clear. If you want to carry the light that will change people's lives. So, Doctor, so this revival must begin in the church and among of the course, children. That's of why God. we pray for it. We pray for the church all the time. Because, for instance, for instance, in the local assembly where I attend, uh, often you hear uh, of the Sunday school teachers bringing back reports to say that when they have cause to question children, that the level of iniquity and perversion that is going on in Christian homes, as reported by children in Sunday school. And yet we're all coming to church and dancing and wearing fine clothes and expecting the church, to, uh, the, the nation to change. So the revival just has to start with us. That, that's, a, that's a very serious uh, matter, really. You know, because then uh, um, the leadership needs to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with the people because uh, they, 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 they're even corrupting the next generation. You know, it's bad enough that your generation is corrupt. But when children are noticing evil, and I always tell uh, parents that don't forget that children, they will listen to you. But 90% to 95% of the time, they will, do, they will repeat what you did. Absolutely. So, so I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's a tragedy if that is what is happening. And for that in church. So we, need, we really need to, to, to face up to it. In, in this season of renewal, as we're just coming out of celebrating resurrection, so can you pray for that revival to begin with us, the 50 of us on this platform now? Let revival, renewal, let it start with us. Father, we are so grateful that the entrance of your word is light. It makes wise the simple. Oh Lord, the God of all heaven and earth, who sees and knows every heart, may your spirit stir us up within to give us the quickening zeal for a radical transformation in the way we live our lives. Amen. So that from us will go forth the light of Christ Amen. to our own world. Amen. Lord, let what you have done today be heard abroad Amen. as you change our lives. Amen. For it is in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Amen.